I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Our sleep story is the final part of Dame Grumble and her curious apple tree. In this chapter, we follow Freyo as he goes to the castle. He gets a workshop with everything he could ever imagine in it and is asked to build seven chests for the princess. When the chests are finished, a huge celebration is held and it is time for the princess to choose her partner. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now, close your eyes if you'd like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. And breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths. How you get more and more relaxed with each breath. How the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in. And breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, Thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story and music. Breathe in. And breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with the final part of Dame Grumble and her curious apple tree. At the court of King Silversword, Freyo was welcomed with much honor and ceremony. Dame Grumble's gift to the little princess had made a thousand good friends for him, it seemed. King Silversword looked at him with eyes of gratitude. Queen Silverland could not praise him enough. The little Princess Silverstar took much pleasure in the tales that Freyo told her of the North Wind and the Apple Tree. Before many days had passed, Freyo had become the child's favorite companion and was a favorite of the whole court likewise. The noble lords vowed that Freyo had wisdom beyond his years and competed with one another to do him kindnesses. 
The noble ladies declared that Freyo had a kind heart, as well as handsome features. They said his gentle manners were worthy of a duke's son. King Silversword gave orders that a fine workroom be built on the top of the royal palace and fitted with every sort of tool that a woodcarver might fancy. He also sent great ships a-sailing off to distant lands to bring rare woods for Freyo's work. When all things were in order, Freyo began his first task for the great King Silversword. It was to carve seven great chests, which would be used as chests for the little princess later on. So fine was the design upon each chest, and so delicate and intricate the carving and the traceries, that seven long years passed before the seven chests were finished. In all that time, although the princess grew to be a lovely maiden, tall and stately, she still took pleasure in the tales that Freyo told her of the apple tree that grew up in the country quite close to the top of the earth. Now, when these seven chests were shown at court, it was the opinion of the wise men and artists from far and near that their equal could not be found in all the world. King Silversword was greatly pleased, and in reward, he commanded that Freyo be made Duke of Freyoland. 10,000 miles of land in the country, quite close to the top of the earth, were given to him for his domain, and a noble castle was built there for him. The seven chests were next filled full of gold and jewels, and orders for a splendid ball were given. Princes and dukes, as well as lords and marquises from every court on earth, were invited to attend. And from this group, the Princess Silverstar would choose her partner. Some gossips at the court felt that Princess Silverstar would choose Prince Goldenmines, the richest prince in all the world. Others thought that she would surely choose Prince Palmyre because he was so handsome. Imagine everyone's surprise when Princess Silverstar chose Freya for her prince and asked her parents to agree. Is it not because of Freyo's noble gift so long ago that we owe our daughter's life? They exclaimed. How then can we deny our daughter? Announce the wedding, heralds. Then straight away, the wedding day was set. Dame Grumble journeyed down from the country quite close to the top of the earth and was made welcome by Queen Silverland and her noble ladies. In order that all folk might celebrate at her wedding feast, the Princess Silverstar asked two favors from her father. First, that he would forgive all debts and monies that his people owed him. And second, that he would take no taxes for a whole year and a day. She then declared that every person should be given fine new holiday clothes and a purse with some money. 
In all the history of the kingdom, there was not known a finer feast than this. The noble lords and ladies rode and drove or danced at splendid balls. The people sang or played games on the highways and feasted on the village greens. Then, when the seven days of fun and feasting passed at last, and Freya with his lovely bride drove off to their castle, Dame Grumble sat beside them in the royal chariot. But she wasn't happy for long in their splendid castle. Soon her heart began to yearn, and she began to pine most sadly for her home. Though Freyo and his lovely bride begged her to stay and live with them forever, the good lady would not hear of it. Ah, no, my children, cried Dame Grumble. Long, long ago, tis true, I wished for a noble house and fancied I would be happy as a queen if I might live in one. Since the visit of the traveler, I have grown much wiser. I know that I can be as happy as a queen if I am content. So in my little cottage with the north wind and the apple tree for friends, I shall live all my days. So saying, Dame Grumble bade Freyo and his lovely wife farewell, and leaning on the traveler's staff, she set off for home. She reached her little cottage on a bright spring day, just when the apple tree was decked in clouds of fragrant pinky-white blossoms and looked as lovely as a fairy tree. Dame Grumble gazed with satisfaction on her favorite tree, and as she gazed, it came to her mind that in all the noble sights she saw at court, she had seen nothing half so lovely as the apple tree in spring. It was not long now before the north wind came roaring over the field and forest in his usual fashion. But when he saw Dame Grumble, he stopped suddenly. He asked nicely how the good lady was and whether she had liked the life at court. To all his questions, Dame Grumble made the most friendly reply and hoped the North Wind's health was fair. Or, if you will believe me, these two old enemies were now good friends. They had not had an angry word or a quarrel since the evening of the traveler's visit long ago. And now, Dame Grumble, said the North Wind, for seven long years, you have ceased your scolding and grumbling, and if you will it so, the spell that bound the apple tree may now be broken. Only command me to stop my mischief, and I will touch your blossoms nevermore. Likewise, command the apple tree to bear you golden apples, and you shall have them. But North Wind, cried the apple tree, First, tell the good lady what you have done with all the pennies from my blossoms. She has a heart of gold and does not need golden apples. Dame Grumble smiled with pleasure that the apple tree should speak so kindly of her. Well, she remembered the olden days when she had often been most harsh with her favorite tree. 
and she hoped the tree had now forgiven her. The apple tree praises my heart too highly, said Dame Grumble modestly. Still, North Wind, I must admit that I have been most curious about the pennies from the blossoms you have blown away. The pennies were not stored in some hollow of the earth as you supposed long, long ago when you set out to find them, said the North Wind. Each springtime, when I blew the blossoms of the apple tree around the world, I dropped the pennies at the feet of poor children who had no one but me to love them. These poor children then ran quickly to the nearest shop to spend their pennies and were happy as happy can be. The apple tree is right, declared Dame Grumble. For all the golden apples in the world, I would not rob a single child of its penny. So blow your fiercest north wind, and apple tree, see to it that there be a penny for every child who needs it on earth. The north wind obeyed, and Dame Grumble smiled to see the lovely blossoms flying through the air like April snow. And so the good lady settled down to dwell in peace and happiness. King's palaces and Duke's castles were all very well, she said, but after all, there was no place like home. As for climate and a clear blue sky in summer, there was no place to equal the country quite close to the top of the earth, Dame Grumble thought. Often, just at candlelight, Dame Grumble peered into the dusk and gloom in hopes of seeing the traveler coming toward her door. But he came not. Sometimes she asked the North Wind for news of him, but he could tell her little. I think, said the North Wind, that the traveler still journeys round the earth, but always in advance of me. Sometimes I travel over cities where all folk are content and where there are no worries or quarrels. I hear folk speaking of a noble traveler who has lingered with them, and I have often thought it is the traveler whom we seek. If I should ever meet him, I shall tell him that Dame Grumble waits each evening to welcome him. But my dear lady, and you too, North Wind, said the apple tree. Have you not heard it said the traveler visits only those who are sad and sorrowful or who are afflicted with cold, selfish hearts? If that is true, he will return to our little cottage no more. There is no need for him. Now it would seem that the apple tree was right, for the traveler returned no more. And in all the world, there was not such another place for comfort and good cheer as Dame Grumble's little cottage, quite close to the top of the earth, where the north wind blew fiercely each spring. And that's the end of our story. Good night.